Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast, episode 68. Today I have the pleasure of having on Ryan Liu. Ryan Liu is a former Olympic athlete. He is also a phenomenal human, human being and one of the best coaches I've ever had the pleasure of working with. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you guys take something from it. And as always, I'll see you guys in the next one. I want to give a huge shout out to my sponsor, the one and only known across Canada and across Ontario, Tim Hortons. Always fresh. Always Tim Hortons. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today I'm super excited to have on Ryan Liu. How's it going, Ryan? Good man, how are you? Great. It's been a while since we've talked. I know it's been at least a few years, so I'm excited to uh, to chat with you. It's been I've, a minute. Uh, I've finally been able to, to to get you on here. Yes, I've been busy, and uh, but I'm glad that you kind of kept kept after it, and we're able to uh, to sit down and have a little chat today. Perfect. Well, before we get into some of the meat and potatoes of the episode, I have a couple quick rapid fire questions here for you. Sure. Favorite genre of music. Uh, hip-hop. What's your favorite thing about yourself? Uh, probably my persistence and work ethic. Okay. What do you think is the best gift that you've ever received? Uh, I would say my kids from my wife. That That's probably the best gift. Okay, okay. I'm going to flip that around. What do you think is the best gift that you ever gave? Best gift that I ever gave? Uh... You know what? Great question. I don't know. You'd have to ask some of the people that uh, that I've given gifts to, but don't know. Don't know. That's a tough one. It is. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't think of uh, off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I'm stuck on that one. Okay. Okay. Let's move on here. What is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Uh, I have a few favorite quotes, but I think probably one of my favorite quotes is um, it's it's the uh, it's the journey, not the destination that teaches us who we are. Beautiful. If a movie ever gets made about you, who would you want to put you in the movie? Well, probably somebody fairly good looking and athletic. So. You know what? I would say maybe like a maybe like a Ryan Gosling type. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a favorite tattoo either on yourself or on someone else? Yes, I have a favorite tattoo. It's on my left arm. Um it's a uh design of a um uh a, a Latina warrior princess and then i will be also getting another tattoo on the same arm of and it's supposed to represent my daughter and i'm i'm getting another one that's supposed to represent my son as well so those will probably be my favorite ones beautiful moving on to this next segment here this or that okay audiobook or podcast podcast hot or cold weather hot cats or dogs dogs Coffee or tea? 
I'm going to say coffee now. Um, I've just recently got into drinking coffee a little bit more than tea and I'm kind of starting to to like it a little bit more. So I'd say right now coffee. Morning or night person? Morning person. Tacos or burgers? Oh, burgers. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Soup or salad? Uh, soup. Introverted or extroverted? Uh, introverted. My personal favorite, pizza or pasta? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'll say, I'll say pasta. Let's get into it, Ryan. Who are you? What do you do? And or what do you want to be known for? Uh, well, I am a uh, police officer uh, here in the Guelph region. Um, I live here with my family. I have a uh, wife and two kids. Um, something that, you know, I'd like to be known for is just, you know, being a, uh, a good husband, good father. And, you know, just doing well within my job and within my community. Now, kind of before we touch on some of the police stuff, can we can we kind of go and touch on some of your wrestling credentials here? Yeah, sure. So I I wrestled. I started to wrestle in grade nine in a little town called St. Thomas um, under a great coach. And basically it was one of those sports that I was never big enough. I was only like five, two, five, three in stature, you know, kind of, you know, lanky a little bit, you know, not much muscle mass to me at all. And I tried playing all the sports that my friends were playing, you know, the volleyball, basketball, and I would always get cut from the team. You know, my name would always be left out and, you know, kind of feeling, you know, crappy about that. And then my dad, one day, he was just like, oh, you should try, try wrestling. My, I was going into high school and I saw that, you know, there was a wrestling team uh, within the school. So thought I'd give it a shot. And it was one of those sports that there's no, you know, there's no cuts or anything. So you basically show up, you work hard and you'll get your chance. And, you know, from there, you know, early successes kind of led to going down a rabbit hole. And, you know, 16 years later, we were, you know, still grinding and, you know, trying to make a, uh, a second Olympic team. And yeah, it was, it was quite the journey. But yeah, I was, I competed all four years uh, for my high school, went off so three times out of the four um, placed third in my grade 11 and 12 year, um, went to nationals uh, a few times for the high school age group. Uh, best showing was third, again, in the country. And then I progressed from there. I started wrestling for a couple different uh, wrestling clubs within high school. I wrestled for the uh, uh, Tilsonburg Wrestling Club. Uh, and then I started to wrestle for the Guelph Wrestling Club. Uh, and from there I progressed and I went to the University of Guelph for a year and I competed uh, for the university. And I, uh, after that went to Conestoga college, uh, for two years after that. 
and continued my wrestling career uh, while I worked and, you know, progressed all the way to, I was junior national champion in 2009. So I made the world team there and I competed in uh, Turkey. And then after that, I made the jump to the senior level and I placed second at nationals a couple times and then went to the Olympic trials in 2012. And I was the, I was, uh, the Olympic alternate uh, for the 2012 Olympic games. And then I continued on and, you know, kept, kept pursuing, you know, trying to get to the 2016 games and yeah, that that's kind of the, the career and been all over with this sport. And I'm very grateful for the, uh, the time that I got to compete and all the people and all the coaches that I met along the way. So. Well, what a fun, exciting journey. It sounds like it's been for you. You spoke a little bit about some of these, these coaches that you've had in your life. Was there a particular coach starting at any age that kind of initially grabbed your attention and thought, wow, you are an incredible coach and I want to learn from you? Yeah, I think my my very first coach, uh, his name was Gerard Charette. He was a uh, a French teacher at my high school at Central Elgin uh, Collegiate, and uh, he was he was kind of the first one to introduce me to the sport. And he was he was a great coach. You know, he was so knowledgeable. He uh, he had two sons that. Uh, wrestled for him that you know were highly successful along with a bunch of other athletes and so I would say he I kind of gravitated towards uh, him a lot especially as my career uh, progressed and then from there you know I got in he got me in touch with uh, my coaches at the Tilsonburg Wrestling Club which was uh, John Cook and Lloyd Rankin and again two phenomenal coaches. John has been on the scene for so many years being a referee and being a coach and multiple international uh, uh, tournaments around the world. And uh, Lloyd Rankin was a, uh, uh, I think he was a, a senior national champion back in the day and he competed for Western and just very, very highly touted uh, coaches and athletes. And from there, you know, I progressed all the way to, you know, Doug Cox and Zoltan Hanyati, who are uh, still the head coach and assistant coaches at the University of Guelph. And, you know, I spent uh, 12 plus years like under them and under their guidance. So those are kind of the, the main coaches that, you know, had a huge impact on, you know, not only my career, but on my life as well. And, uh, but also, you know, competing, you know, internationally and competing kind of all over the country. Um, you get to meet so many other coaches as well. And with that, you know, I tried to learn from every coach that, you know, gave me the opportunity to, compete for them and, you know, to represent Canada on the international stage uh, was a great thing as well. And, you know, to have those coaches kind of behind me and just wanting the best, not only for me, but for the country is, was always great as well. Definitely. Now with the high accolades of wrestling that you have, 
I imagine it's taken you all over the world. Where has wrestling take taken you in terms of geographically? <laughs> it's taken me, yeah, it has taken me all over the world. Uh, for a sport that, you know, anybody can get involved with in terms of, you know, you don't need thousands of dollars worth of gear you know you have a t-shirt and some shorts and some shoes and you're you're good to go um this this sport has taken me all over canada i think i've been to every province minus uh i think the northwest territories and the yukon um in the world you know i've gone to places like turkey dubai germany spain france iran uh all over the United States, you know, doing training camps. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been a lot. You know, I'm, you know, very grateful for the uh, the time that I got to travel with not only the Guelph Wrestling Club and with you know my high school clubs, you know, around the country, but also competing internationally, you know, for Team Canada and just you know making all these trips and seeing all these different different places that you know you don't you would never think that oh like I'm gonna go to you don't make a vacation to go to Iran right so it's one of those things that you kind of get to see different parts of the world that you would never get to see otherwise and that's a really uh, neat and cool thing now kind of with traveling did you notice any difference in the way that these countries i know you mentioned like many of them iran usa dubai uh turkey any of these countries that that you've been to and the way that they train is there any difference in, in how they train and just in general how that country operates for wrestling yeah absolutely um you know in the United States, they train a little bit different than us. Their system is a little bit different than us. And in Iran and places in Europe, they train a little bit different as well. Um, some of the major differences, you know, with the United States compared to Canada, um, in the U.S., they have a very uh, they have a very structured system in that you know a lot of these um, high level athletes in the states they started wrestling when they were you know, six, seven, eight years old. And they've, you know, ha had high level coaching from that age. And because a lot of these kids, they get a lot of that high level coaching, they get a lot of matches throughout the year, you know, they progress fairly quickly. And, you know, if you progress fairly quickly, and you kind of keep, you know, a good head on your shoulders, you have a real chance of, you know, progressing to make things like junior world teams, uh, senior world teams, Olympic teams, that sort of thing. Um, in the States, primarily, especially at the youth age, you see a lot of kids that are um, just a lot more developed in terms of, you know, strength, muscle mass, um, even a little bit of technique as well. Um, but the major thing, you know, within the major difference I can see is just the uh, the physicalness between the United States and Canada. Also with that, the United States primarily um, uses folk style wrestling. So folk style wrestling is a little bit different than what we do here in Canada with freestyle wrestling. 
uh, folk style wrestling, you have to control your opponent more <laughs> on the ground, and you have to uh, you have to make sure that you know you're keeping them there, and it's it's a very positional type uh, sport, and with that comes a lot more physicality, a lot more um, a lot more tenaciousness, I guess, if you want to call it. And with those things, you know, sometimes that physicalness translates to more physical development. Uh, and that can be tough for some people here in, in Canada to, to get by. Um, and then if you progress all the way to, you know, in Europe and, you know, the Asian countries... If you go and you look at the Eastern European countries, a lot of times you'll have an athlete that starts wrestling at maybe six or eight years old. And with the Eastern European systems, they'll start kids with gymnastic style movements and they'll really enforce kind of the technical aspect of the sport. And with that, they'll progress into competitions after that. So you know, in the States, you know, you'll have kids that'll start, you know, wrestling competitively at six, seven, eight years old. In Europe, you know, some of those kids won't start wrestling competitively until maybe they reach 10, 12, even 13 years old. And with that, you know, comes a lot more, they develop more technical mastery, I guess, if you want to call it. Their positioning is a lot better. They understand um, fundamentals and body position and body awareness. Um, with with that as well, you know, you'll see that a lot of these kids that start with a coach usually will end their career with that same coach. So if you have a coach starting at eight years old, likely you'll and likely you'll go through your career with that same coach yes if you make an olympic or world team you'll have the national level coaches that you know you'll be with but at the same time you'll be with that coach until you kind of retire here in canada and north america you're constantly changing coaches you know from the youth level you have a youth level coach and then you potentially have a high school level coach and then you have your club coach and then from your club coach you go to a university coach so you can go to about maybe four or five coaches you know in the north american system in the european system it's usually one coach that's going to be developing you from a very young age so those are the the big differences um, and then you can get into things like, uh, like match strategy and technique and tactics with, you know, different countries and whatnot. But though that's probably the, the main thing that you see difference between North American style wrestling and how we kind of do things compared to Eastern European or Asian countries. Do you think for an athlete, it's better to have one coach, mainly one coach throughout their career, or to have a bunch of different coaches, kind of like what you mentioned, the uh, the differences in, from Asia to, to Canada, North America? Are? Hard to say, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, in, 
in Eastern European countries and Asian countries, and even the, even in the United States now, a lot of these coaches are getting paid to, to be your coach. So for me, I think it's good to have different coaches, you know, listen to different people, you know, get to expand your horizons, your techniques, your tactics, all that. And that that's just my my preference on things. You know, I learned a lot more in the sport of wrestling by listening to different coaches, different styles, different techniques, different tactics, different mindsets even. I think when you have a, a singular coach for years and years, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think there's potentially some some more plateaus that you'll have to get over in terms of technique tactics you know other stuff like that even conditioning and i think you have to you know go out of your comfort zone to try to get maybe new training partners you know just a different philosophy on things but on the flip side of that that coach will know you inside and out in terms of what makes you tick how to push um types of training that you like to do how to get you mentally and physically prepared um but as you progress and as from a young adolescent to you know becoming you know a man or you know a woman in that in that respect it's one of those things that you'll start to kind of gain that level of maturity and that level of kind of self-confidence yourself and you'll know this is what I need to do this is what I need to focus on and you'll kind of become your own individual right so a lot of these uh coaches especially when they're coaching high level athletes in their mid 20s early 30s they don't really need to teach them hey you got to show up to practice at this time and come on you got to you got to do this those are things that are already ingrained in that athlete at that time. Literally, the coach is just there sometimes to look at some film, see what needs to be corrected. Here are the tactics and techniques that we have to look at for certain opponents or, you know, different things that countries are doing. And from there, you progress into, you know, creating a... Uh, you know, a training cycle in terms to, to get yourself ready. So. Yes. Yes. Now I know some of, some of these, these, um, I guess, strategies and tactics that you spoke about, <laughs> excuse me there, are coming from you from a different mindset than just an athlete. They're coming from you as a coach's mindset. Now, can you touch a little bit on that and some of your coaching experience? Yeah, so my coaching experience, <clears throat> it kind of stemmed, you know, all the way from, you know, when I was still competing as, as a high school athlete, you know, it was, I really got the kind of the itch, you know, back in high school, you know, trying to, you know, help out some of the grade school kids that were around our area, you know, I was helping out just with little tournaments that they were having and little practices that we would have for them. And I really enjoyed my time uh, coaching. And I knew it's something that I want to do to, 
give back. You know, I, like I've said before, I've had a lot of great coaches and they've not only taught me, you know, great wrestling technique and how to be, you know, a good athlete, but they've also taught me how to be a good person. And that's kind of what I wanted to give back to the next generation. Uh, and then from there, you know, I really started progressing when in coaching, you know, listening to uh, my coaches at the Guelph Wrestling Club. And with that, I started helping out with their um, little kids program, you know, ages uh, six to all the way to 12 years old, helping with that program and just seeing, you know, the differences and the development aspect of the sport uh, from the coaching side. And then from there, we, uh, my wife and I and my family, we actually moved to a little town called Coburg. And from there, we, I started a, uh, a club there um, called the Thunderwolves Wrestling Club with some great coaches as well. And again, from ages six to about 12, 13 years old. And we even brought in some junior and senior level athletes as well to the club. And that was, that was great too, you know, kind of seeing a club from the grassroots level, you know, kind of come up and, you know, we were able to compete on not only the youth stage, but also on uh, a junior and senior national stage, which was, which was great to see. And now I'm kind of, like I said, I'm back in Guelph and I'm helping out with, you know, not only our varsity teams, but our uh, guys and girls that are progressing through to be junior and senior national champions and then also with the little kids programs as well I'm kind of having my hands in a bunch of different uh, coaching roles so yeah it's been it's been great you know my philosophy as a coach is you know as if I can teach these kids you know just to have some work ethic and to have fight and to you know, just be diligent in their everyday pursuit of what they want to do athletically, academically, you know, even socially. That's something that I really pride myself on. Um, For me as an athlete, you know, my major thing was kind of like what Dwayne The Rock Johnson says is that, you know, just be the hardest worker in the room. You know, that's something that you can control, right? Is just being the hardest worker in the room and you know, I try to get my athletes and the athletes in, in the Guelph Wrestling Club to just keep progressing in that area. Be be the hardest worker in the room. It's not that you have to go, you know, you have to go a 30-minute grind match and run your body down, but how are you approaching practice? What, where, where technically do you want to get better today? Are you giving every effort in your drill? Are you giving every effort in the matches that you're doing? Are you giving every effort in your warm-up, in your recovery? Those are all things that are staples. You can't you can't hide from those things because when you get out onto the mat or you get out into any arena where you now have to perform, you have to ensure that that level of training that you've done to that point is going to be consistent from what you see in the practice room and to the mat. And that's as a coach, that's what we're trying to get. We're trying to get the consistency from the mat all the way to the competition, right? There's 
a lot of times where the pressure and all of the anxieties of competing, you know, you put on a singlet, there's a referee, there's score clocks, there's tons of people around. Sometimes it gets to be a little overwhelming for some. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've seen guys and girls that I've seen in the room where, wow, this person is amazing. Like they're going to be, you know, national champ, you know, they, they have world level potential and they just, for whatever reason, just don't perform. So it's kind of my goal to push them, you know, push them really hard, but also try to figure out what, you know, how to make them relax, what makes them tick, what, what are some of their fears? What are some of their anxieties that, you know, lead to, you know, good performances compared to bad performances. So it's coaching is, it's so much hard athlete because there's just, there's hardly anything that you can control as a coach. Sometimes you just kind of sit there in the corner and you're just watching like the seconds and the minutes tick down and you're trying to give advice, but ultimately it'll be up to the athlete to, to make it happen. So. Yeah. What types of, of advice or what types of things do you tell some of the athletes that are having some challenges mentally uh, before a match? It all, it's all different. Um, each, you know, it's going to be all an, an individual type of conversation. Um, you know, for some, they just, they just need to relax. They need to laugh and, you know, crack a joke. And then there's some that, you know, need to get like in that zone and they need to get fired up. And it's just, it's a very, uh, individual uh, thing, I guess, if you want to call it, because there's no right or wrong answer. You know, I would say for me, I needed to just relax. One of my uh, major things, one of a key, one of the key words that I used when I was competing was the word Gumby. You know, I just needed my body to just be really relaxed and just let all my training and let all my reactions kind of uh, kind of do the talking. Um, when I would get, you know, stiff or really tight, that's when my energy levels would die and I just wouldn't perform really well. But when I was Gumby, you know, I was able to loosen up. I was still strong. I was flexible. I was, you know, I was thinking a lot more, not in terms of, you know, thinking of what's going to happen, but thinking of, okay, we got to move from this position to this position to that position, you know, and for some, they need that. They just need to relax. They need to, you know, crack a joke. They need to, you know, just smile and just maybe have it reiterated that, hey, this is just a wrestling match. No matter what, you know, your mom, your dad, your family, your friends, we're still going to like you. <laughs> you know, we're still going to love you after this. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, take, you know, whatever, whatever combat sport, like a very individual sport, sometimes we can make it that it's this huge thing. And if we, if we lose, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be so disrespected and people aren't going to 
like us and we're going to let people down. And a, a good way to say it is if you left that building and you just asked a stranger on the street, hey, did you know that like I lost a wrestling match? A person would be like, oh, that sucks. But then they would just continue on with their day, right? So yes, it's a big thing in your eyes, but at the same time, we're going to get up the next day and we can make improvements on, on that. So, and then on the flip side, there's people that need to get, just get fired up. There's people that, you know, they are just maybe lazing around or they're talking and they just, you know, they're not, they're not getting ready mentally or physically. And sometimes you just need to give them a kick in the butt and tell them, Hey, it's time to, to start getting ready. And, I've had, I've had athletes that, that can do both. I've had athletes that, you know, can joke around, smile, do whatever. And all of a sudden like perform like nobody else. And that's something you just, you just have to learn that person and that individual and kind of cater to what, to what they need. Um, and as a coach, you know, you're kind of asking those questions as well, because the last thing that you want is, you know, to try to fire somebody up and they're already fired up. And now they're just, you know, going crazy out there. And within minutes, they're, you know, their energy levels are all over the place, you know, so very individual thing. Now, are you a coach who is able to take some of the athlete's success or failure to heart and think that you can take either some of the blame or some of the success with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a coach, you know, you're always, you're always analyzing what I could have done better in the corner, what I could have done better in that training cycle, what I could have done better, you know, with, with whatever. Right. So I think that's just ingrained in us as, you know, previous athletes is you're always trying to better yourself, no matter, no matter what it is. Um, for myself, you know, I'm always looking at improving training cycles and how we train and what is the appropriate loading and volume and techniques and tactics that are being used within you know, not only within the country, but in the world at that time. Um, so you're, you're always picking and prodding at, you know, how, how you do things and the systems that you have in place. And then when it comes to performances, there's times where, you know, I've said, do this technique and it hasn't worked kind of in that moment. And it's one of those things you kind of think back and like, ah, it, it didn't work because of that, or it didn't work because, Hey, we didn't focus enough in that position for that athlete to know what the second, third actions off of uh, that technique were going to be. So you're constantly analyzing, you're constantly um, picking apart what's, what's working um, as a coach. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of steal this from my, coach from the United States but you know every year for me at least I I do a uh, um, I go through an exercise of you know what can we start doing that's going to uh, bring us success 
what do we need to continue to do that we're having success with that is that we need to keep in the program and then what do we need to stop doing that is not bringing us you know that success with what we need so it's basically just like a start stop continue model that i try to go through every year and i would say every year i'm always developing something maybe it's not something new but it's something that just needs a little bit of tweaking and then there's usually always something that it's like hey we need to stop doing you know x y and z because of these reasons so that's kind of the the um the program that i kind of follow for myself and for some of the athletes that you know that i coach at the uh the university so and now what can canada do as a whole to get better in terms of not only an athlete's mindset and not only the coach's mindset but now put those two together what can canada do as a whole to to up its wrestling game well there's there's a lot of things and it's you know from just in an athlete's and coach's perspective um there's there's a lot i i think we there is a lot of knowledgeable coaches in the con in the country we've had we have tons of coaches that have tons of international experience and have been all over the world and have seen how to um develop training cycles and how to you know do all these different things um the biggest thing with uh with canada and you know how canada wrestling is is run um not to get into it too much but it's just it's one of those things that funding is always an issue you know within the states and within you know europe and asian countries funding for national level coaches and even club coaches and university coaches we're, we're not fighting for that you know they have the money they have the resources to build amazing programs and to recruit you know high level athletes to come to their programs here in canada we don't we don't have that you know a lot of these club coaches uh here in in the country are just there because they love wrestling they're not doing it for any you know financial gain they might get a little bit of money here and there but it's nothing like what united states or europe gets you know for some of these clubs um in terms of an athlete uh from an athlete's perspective right now canada just needs you know for the athletes they just need more matches and they need more time to develop uh there's not enough in uh within the country to develop the athletes you know we don't train with uh with each other as much as we should you know that old adage of iron sharpens iron uh we don't do that enough uh within the country and we just don't have again it's one of those things we just don't have the resources to constantly get together you know to to train you know maybe we'll get together twice a year to train at like different different times of the year but that's that's it you know a lot of these other countries you know in the United States and Europe and in Asia the number 1 2 you know guys and girls they're getting together four five six times a year to train with one another and i mean 
you know, when you have the best, the best constantly butting heads on a day-to-day basis for sometimes two weeks at a time for a training camp, you're only going to get better. Right. And, you know, as, as a coaching staff, you know, I, there's really not much that we, we can do, you know, we're kind of at the mercy of what we have to deal with. Um, but there's, again, we, we just have to work together as a coaching staff as well. Um, you know, the, our system isn't, is not perfect at all. And, you know, there is somewhat of a divide within, within some coaches within the country, but a lot of, a lot of the coaches here, especially a lot of the ones that go on these international trips, they are very knowledgeable. They're, they're very knowledgeable. They have tons of techniques. They understand the sport really well. They understand how to develop athletes it's just more we need to get our coaches not only not only the coaches that continuously go on the trips but all some of these younger coaches within the country we need to get them primed and ready so that you know when they progress in their career you know being 10 12 15 years as a coach you know they're going to be ready to step into potentially a national coaching role or a taking a team on an international tour to Russia or to Azerbaijan. So to answer your question, I don't really have an answer to it. (laughs) It's more the things that we have to do behind the scenes in order for the athletes and the coaches to really develop and to really kind of get us out from the, the spot that we're currently in. I had some of the other wrestlers on here as well. They spoke about going to the Olympic Training Center in, I believe it was Colorado in the States. Yep. First off, have you been there? And secondly, do you think Canada would be able to to develop something of that nature here? So, yeah, I've been to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, many times. You know, many times for training camps, many times to compete at... Uh, a tournament called the uh, the Dave Schultz International that's held uh, every year, um, and it's it, the Olympic Training Center. It's like it's as an athlete, it's it's the greatest spot in the world. You know, it's kind of in a secluded place in uh, in Colorado Springs, and you know, you if you're if you get chosen to be an Olympic athlete there, you know, you have an amazing cafeteria, you have room and board paid for, you're just focusing on your sport, you have high level coaches there, you're training two, three times a day, you have a schedule that you're consistently following, like, you're going to get better, no matter what. Um, Here in Canada, yeah, I think it's something that we could do, but I think the financial aspect within you know, Sport Canada and, you know, just within our governing body, I don't think that is something that we would see happen. If it did happen, I think you would see a lot of athletes maybe transition to going that route. But again, it's, I just, I don't see, I don't see that happening. You know, the closest thing to uh, a national 
I would, yeah, like a national training center would be in places that have, uh, that have sports where, you know, in Calgary, I believe they have, I think skiing and potentially bobsledding there. Don't quote me on that. And in BC, I think they have, you know, a national training center for a certain sport in Montreal, kind of the same thing. Um, but there's no, there's no spot where all these sports are together and you have, you know, hundreds of athletes, you know, of all different disciplines kind of roaming around and, you know, going to do, you know, their sport and definitely not a place where some of the best coaches in the country can just stay for two, three weeks at a time. It just, unfortunately in Canada, we just don't, we just don't, um, spend the money on our athletics like our neighbors to the south do and within Europe as well and it, that, that's no fault on on us it's just we focus on other things within the country right so yeah I think it would be something that would really be beneficial to the athletes um, but you know we just try to make it work as best as we can yeah and I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit here. I'm very curious as to why you chose Guelph to not only now be a coach, but also as an athlete. I mean, I'm sure once you reached a certain level, you would have been welcomed with open arms to any of these places. Why did you choose Guelph? I chose Guelph because it was a funny story. It was a, uh, I had to, um, back in, what was it, 2006, I believe, um, I was trying out for the Commonwealth, uh, I think it was like the, the youth Commonwealth championships. It was going to be the first, it was going to be the first time ever that they did like a Commonwealth youth championships for wrestling and, you know, Canada being within, uh, like a Commonwealth nation, um, we were invited and they had a, uh, kind of a tryout, you know, uh, within, um, Canada and within Ontario of who of who would like to to represent so I put my name in the hat and I had to uh, go to a wrestle off in Toronto with a uh, with a uh, competitor from the Guelph Wrestling Club and after that wrestle off I lost I lost the wrestle off um, but my performance you know the coaches were really impressed with my performance and asked if I wanted to uh, come and you know potentially potentially i could be entered into the tournament but if not at least there i could join for the training camp and then there was going to be another tournament afterwards so you know i said yes and actually me and that uh that competitor we became good friends after that and he actually invited me up to uh train with him you know in guelph and i i kind of took that as hey you know what like you know, in the summertime, you know, my club, we don't do, we don't do much in the summer for wrestling. And I wanted to wrestle year round at that time. So I decided to make the trek up uh, to Guelph. And from there, it was just, it was one of those things. It was kind of trial by fire. You kind of go in there and you get your ass beat for a ton of, a ton of time and you know you just love it 
right? You know, and people, you can shy away from challenges or you can step up to the plate and, you know, kind of just keep, keep going after it. And I absolutely loved going into that room. I loved the people, um, the camaraderie that the team had at the time, the coaches. And it was just one of those places that, hey, I think this is a place where I want to continue my wrestling career when, you know, I progress, you know, after grade 12. And, you know, I kept going up there in my grade 12 year in high school. And after that, it was just, it, it was a no brainer. I was, I was going to be, I was going to go to Guelph. I was going to represent Guelph. And that's where likely my career would have the best, my athletic career would have the best chance of progressing. And, you know, it, it came to be, you know, I, I did, I had a lot of other schools and a lot of interest from other coaches and whatnot, but my mind was kind of already made up within, I would say within, you know, my grade 11 year, I kind of already knew that's, that's where I was, I was going to be going. And now, when do did you know it was time to retire from being an athlete in wrestling? I knew it was time. Um, a my my body was just it was it was always getting injured, um, and it wasn't because you know I was treating my body bad. It was just it was just just the constant years of just battling hard and you know running your body kind of into the ground I guess if you want to call it and you know I had a family at that time and you know wrestling and you know whether whether it's wrestling or any sport you know or any endeavor that you know you want to see see to the end it's it can be a very selfish endeavor that you do and with wrestling it's no different you know it was very much I needed to train, you know, two times a day, six days a week. I needed to go to practice. I needed to go to this training camp. It's just a lot of I, I, I. And, you know, with having a wife, with having a family, I, I just I just couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't do that anymore to myself, and I couldn't do that anymore, you know, to them. And it was one of those things that, and my mind also just like, it wasn't, it wasn't in it anymore as an athlete. And when you get to that point, it's, you know, if you're just there to just try to compete, you know, it's, it, it can be a tough thing. You know, my, my goal was to, you know, be the best in Canada and to represent, you know, on the world stage. And that just, that just wasn't happening, you know, for me right now, I had to be honest with myself and understand that like, yeah, at this point, you know, I'm just not where I want to be. And that's no, no fault uh, to anybody but myself. And it was one of those things that, you know, after the 2016 Olympic trials, I was like, yep, yeah, like th this'll be it. You know, I have a lot more to give uh, with my knowledge of the sport now than my body. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of why I, why I decided to, to stop uh, wrestling competitively. Um, I still wrestle to this day. I'm 
you know, still in shape and fit enough to do that. And, and I'm fine. I'm fine with that. And, you know, I really enjoy, you know, coaching and, you know, but not, not going through the, the six days a week, two training sessions a day, like that's, I'm very happy that I got to do that, you know, for almost 15 years, you know, but at the same time, look like thinking back on it now, it's like, whew, that's a lot, <laughs> you know, that's as a, you know, uh, a mid thirties now it's like, Ooh, that's, you know, you did a lot, you know, back in your day. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with how my career went. I'm happy with, you know, where I'm at now. And yeah, it was just, it was just time. It was just, it was just time. I had to be honest with myself and just realize, yep, yeah, it, it's it's time to uh, to pack it up. Now I'm a little ignorant here on the the landscape of wrestling, so pardon me if this this question doesn't really uh, fall through and it's not possible. But, it, but is there any type of senior division in wrestling where maybe you have to be a certain age? And would you ever consider putting yourself back out there for one more try at at uh, you know, whatever they would call it, a senior or, or division or anything like that. Yeah, so they do have something called, I believe it's like the master's division. I think you have to be over 35 um, to compete in it. And yeah, like you can, there, there's wrestling all the way from the master's division. You can be over 35 and then there's some divisions that are like over 40, over 45, 50, 65, you know, so there is a world championships uh, for that. It's called the, I think it's, I believe it's like the veterans division and yeah, you have a lot of these, um, these wrestlers that, you know, are still, still getting after it, you know, in their late forties, early fifties, even 60 year olds, you know, they're still getting after it. They're still getting on the mat and competing. And I applaud, all of them for for doing that and it's uh it's a really cool thing to see uh for myself uh i i would be i'd be remiss to tell you that if not every year i always get like an itch to you know potentially come back you know i watch things like the ncaa championships i watch the world championships you know and I see all of these, you know, athletes that, you know, I was once competitive with and, you know, I got to see at training camps and I'm all, and I always get like the little itch. Oh, you know, I could, maybe I got one, one more left in me, you know, but at the same time to do, to do one more, it's like, it's not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, be beneficial to me and it wouldn't really be beneficial to the country you know even if I did win it'd be one of those things like I'm not ready to compete at a world stage at at this point in my life and you know for me that would be hard you know because I if I'm gonna do something I want to do it to the fullest and to just kind of go in compete and then you know kind of be done with it it would be really tough because I know that I just wouldn't be um, at a world at a world level like I like I'd like to be. So if it was like a one one off or you know a little tournament here and there, you know, sure maybe I'd strap up the boots a little bit. But 
you know, to do a big tournament and to take a, an opportunity away from, you know, a young, a young up and coming kid that, you know, has worked really hard and had, has a, has a dream of, you know, competing for the country and whatnot. I would rather see them get the opportunity and the development to go and represent the country and to continue to strive to get to where they want to be in the sport. You know, I got, I had my opportunity. It's now their opportunity to, uh, to try and go and achieve what they want. Wow. <laughs> well, I'll definitely be following your journey to find out if you ever enter in the, uh, the master's division or whatnot. <laughs> um, well, you spoke a little bit about injuries. What was the worst injury um, that you had and what's a common injury that you think can be prevented? Well, the worst injury that I had was I tore my hamstring, uh, my left hamstring in 2015. 2015? Yeah, 2015. I tore it. And that was probably the, the worst injury. Um, just because it's it was one of those things that just never never really healed, you know, it never really healed properly. You know, I didn't really want to get surgery on it. It was, you know, either get surgery or just try to make it as strong as you possibly can. And, you know, from there, I just decided to go the second option and just tried to get it really strong. But, you know, even today, you know, I still, I still feel it, you know, there's a, a big kind of gap between like, basically my ash cheek and like my hamstring. So it's, it's one of those things that it's never going to be a hundred percent, but as wrestlers and, you know, competitive athletes, you're never at a hundred percent when you compete. So you go out there and you, you give everything that you have. Um, to the second question with injuries, like, and with, you know, the common injuries are always neck, um, shoulders, knees, and a lot of those things is just good warm-up processes, good um, cool-down and um, other recovery processes like ice baths, stretching, getting regular physio and massages and all those stuff for body maintenance because within a sport that is so demanding on the body, you know, you need your body to, you know, be at an optimal level, you know, at, at all times. And, you know, for you to, you know, not do those things, it's just going to hinder your performance. Right. And on top of that too, it's, you know, what are you putting in your body? You know, the type of hydration that you're putting into your body, the type of foods that you're constantly um, putting into your body, that's going to have a direct correlation on, you know, how the inflammation is getting put from your body, the, the, the different types of um, muscle tissue repair that's going to happen, you know, the sleep as well. So I, and I think as athletes, we're becoming more aware of that now in terms of these other things that, you know, oh yeah, we, we want to stretch and you want a sauna, you want an ice bath for recovery. You know, that's, that's all, that's all good and great. But there's more to it. It's the hydration that you're coming in before practice, what you're putting into your body after practice, you know, those, those key things is what really is what really takes like, like 
those good athletes to great athletes. And I see, I think you'll see a lot of these athletes, if they continue to kind of push the envelope with recovery, I think you're going to see a lot of these athletes start to uh, have more of a longevity within their careers because no, their body won't break down as much, you know, they won't get injured um, as much as well. And, you know, if you can kind of keep your body fresh for another two, three years, that's, you know, in wrestling terms, excuse me, we go by, you know, cycles. So we think of every four year cycle as, you know, trying to get to the Olympics. So instead of an athlete, if they, you know, have a crappy diet and they're not really recovering all that much, yeah, they might be good for one cycle, but by the time, you know, the second cycle comes around, it's, it gets really tough on them. But then you see athletes that take care of their body that are constantly, you know, pushing the envelope with their recovery. It's not out of the question that you'll probably start seeing some of these athletes go for maybe two, even three cycles, you know, and then and that's a long time, you know, to be, you know, at a high level trying to compete for an Olympic spot for almost 12 years. But I think it's coming to that point. Our athletes are becoming smarter. They're becoming, and our coaches are becoming more knowledgeable in the area of recovery too, that I, that I think it's not out of the realm that we see some of these athletes go for, you know, two, even three cycles for an Olympic, uh, an Olympic team. Mm. And you touched a little bit there on diet nutrition. Can you touch a little bit on weight cutting? Um, what what do you recommend for your athletes to do? And is there is there a way that that would be a healthier way that the wrestling community as a whole, or I guess I should say, a wrestling community as a whole in Canada can do to help with the weight cut? Weight cutting it's one of those things. It's a, it's going to be inevitable in a sport with weight classes. You're always going to uh, you're always going to have people that you know want to cut down to a weight class that they that they see um ideal for their body and for me personally i'm not a huge fan of weight cutting i did a ton of it in my career and yes i believed it was necessary at the time but looking back you know i sometimes kick myself in not trying to grow my body a little bit sooner and try to get, you know, stronger and be maybe more technical, um, efficient than to just be, you know, keep around my size and then flush out 20, 25 pounds of water, right? The sport of wrestling has progressed with, we used to do 24 hours before weigh-in so if a competition was on a saturday we would weigh in like friday and so a lot of times you would have you know 15 to like 18 hours to recover so you would see a lot of people including myself you would see them make these you know 20 25 pound weight cuts and to get down to a weight class and then they would be huge the next day what wrestling has done now, and it's been over the course of, I believe, five years now, I think we're going on five years with it, is they do morning of weigh-in. So if a competition starts at 10, 
you're actually weighing in at eight. So it's it's gotten to the point where athletes are now starting to compete at their natural weight class. You're still going to see some weight cutting, but you're not going to see the big cuts of 20, 25, 30 pounds that you were seeing in the past. You may see, you know, eight to 10 pounds. And that would be honestly like the most because you don't want to see, a, you, you wouldn't be able to compete that well, you know, cutting 10 pounds within an hour and then competing within another hour after that. So I think the sport of wrestling has progressed and it's done a great job with that. Um, here in Canada, I think I, it's hard to say, like we don't have that much data on it right now, but you know, our processes here in Canada have never been, have never been bad with, with weight cutting. You know, a lot of the coaches here in Canada are very knowledgeable with, weight cutting and the seriousness and the consequences and the um uh, what do you, the positives and negatives that come with it um yeah to like to answer your question like it's it's going to be done weight cutting is is always going to be done i i don't agree with it with a coach or an athlete cutting weight in the youth levels. I just, I don't agree with that whatsoever. And even in high school, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, when you get to, you know, your junior and senior levels where you're kind of competing now for, you know, world teams and Olympic teams, there's going to be some, but at the same time, you want to be able to compete optimally. And with only having uh, a two-hour weigh-in between the time that you weigh in to the time that you compete, it's very tough to flush out 10 to 12 pounds and then have to say, hey, you got to go against, you know, the number two, number one guy or girl in the country and think that you're going to perform really well. So I think the sport has progressed and you're not seeing uh, those huge weight cuts anymore. Are you still going to see weight cutting? Yes, you're still going to see it. But I think it's progressed to a lot um, better and more safe level. Mm, okay. And uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to jump a little bit quicker here. I know we're getting tighter on time. Yeah. Can you touch a little bit on the legacy training systems that you developed and kind of what happened with that? Yeah. So when I was in Coburg, I developed and it was through it was through COVID. You know, I kind of decided. You know, a lot of people don't have an outlet right now, especially with COVID, you know, to have access to a gym or to any training whatsoever. And that's, I believe that was a time that a lot of people needed to be physically active. So I designed a, uh, a, um, I guess if you want to call it like a workout company that, you know, could do that. And it was one of those things that, you know, I progressed it uh, when I was in Coburg and I was training um, some rugby players out there and uh, some other uh, some other athletes as well. And then my uh, my career in law enforcement kind of um, took off and it happened, you know, fairly quickly. So I had to kind of put it on hold for a little bit and I'm going to be starting starting it up soon ish. And, you know, I hope, um, you know, just with my career in law enforcement, you know, it's just been 
trying to get my bearings with that and trying to get situated with my family and whatnot. So I kind of had to put that on the back burner, but legacy training systems is still something that is, it's in there. I want to, I want to continue to do it. Um, I'm just waiting for uh, the right opportunity to, uh, to progress with it. Let's, let's talk a little bit more, um, at least what you can on kind of the job that you had. I mean, how did this come about? Is this something that you always wanted to do? In, in my, my law enforcement career or? Yeah. Yeah, it is something that uh, I've always wanted to do back when I was, I want to say I was 19, 20. You know, I graduated from college and I decided, you know, I wanted to, you know, apply and I just realized I, I would probably be a little too young, you know, being a 19, 20 year old kid, you know, trying to be an officer. And it's not, it wasn't out of the question, but I felt at that time that I just, I just wasn't ready. And then from there, I kind of put it on the back burner uh, for a bit, just because I was competing. I was, you know, on the national team at the time. I was working part-time as well. Um, I started a family uh, during that time. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, I talked to a, a past teammate of mine and he said, hey, you should go out for it again. You should, you know, try it. And so I did, you know, I, I started applying and I did all the testing and whatnot. And it was just one of those things that, you know, it kind of came everything kind of came uh, to fruition for me. And it was, yeah, it, it was, it was great. It's something I, I always wanted to do. It's something that I, uh, I knew that I would enjoy and it hasn't, it hasn't disappointed since. So. I'm not sure if you can touch on this, but if you can, great. What kind of training in terms of self-defense um, are they teaching you and how, how important was your wrestling background to kind of put you ahead of, of other people in terms of being self-defense oriented? Yeah. So, you know, within um, the police colleges and whatnot, they do have a defensive tactics uh, courses and the instructors are great, like very knowledgeable. Um, but it, it's very, it's very baseline, right? It's, it's kind of coupled for, you know, they have certain techniques and certain tactics that, you know, can be widely used for every individual out there. And it's, it's a great system. You know, I think it was, I think it's something that, you know, like I said, can be utilized by everybody and everybody can be taught uh, these different techniques. Um, for myself, you know, just having that wrestling background, you know, it did kind of give me a leg up in that aspect of, of the training that that we get and you know with that you know it, there's just certain certain things that you know i i just bring to the table or i just have a little more skills just like anybody you know somebody with a better you know that has military background they're going to be a better shooter you know or if somebody has you know a better mental health background they're going to be better in talking with somebody that has you know uh, a potential me mental health diagnosis so we all have our, our skills that, that we bring. And mine is just, you know, being a competitive wrestler for, 
so many years. I just, I know a little bit, a little bit more than just the, I guess the average person or the average recruit that comes in. And, you know, you're just, you're constantly, you know, you're utilizing those techniques, but understanding that, Hey, if I ever got into a jam, there's also other techniques that I could potentially use to potentially, you know, restrain a person. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, I'm sure there's a million, uh, 10 million questions I could probably ask you, but um, I know we are getting tight on time here. So is there any questions that I haven't asked you that you would like me to ask you or any things that you'd want to talk about? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the questions that you've asked have been, uh, have been great. You know, um, something to, something for everyone to kind of think about and maybe give an insight into, you know, the current state of not only myself, but also, you know, the state of Canada wrestling in general. So, um, yeah, I think you've done a great job of, of asking questions, Dylan. And uh, kind of last thing here for you, um, I like to ask, before we move on to the closing questions, I like to ask um, my guest this is, what do you do for self-care personally? I work out, like I work out um, pretty pretty religiously, I guess. You know, I, I've, I've always been the type of, I was always the type of kid that always wanted to, you know, be active. And so for me, you know, working out and, you know, just being, getting out there and doing runs and workouts and, you know, going to practice and wrestling around. That's all. I, I always want to be active and I always wanted to move my body. So that's something that I do for, you know, just self-care. Um, and that, that that's helped, you know, and just being, you know, within a, a stressful job as well. It's something that kind of gives me a release as well. Um, but on the flip side of that, there's times where I just want to sit at home and just maybe watch or listen to uh, a podcast or a movie or something. So I, I think it's, it's, it's a balance, but for me, for sure, it's, uh, it's still the athlete in me that always wants to keep pushing and, you know, keep my body healthy and to, you know, always, always tinkering with, you know, different training plans and different training cycles. That's something that I think I'll always, um, I'll always do for the remainder of my life. So are you a big journaler? Used to be, used to be a, a big journaler. Um, have kind of gotten away from it for the past uh, couple years, but yeah, I used to be a a big journal journaler um a few years ago um loved loved it no no real reason why i stopped i think you just kind of forget you know a couple days and all of a sudden you're just kind of out of the routine um but yeah i journaling is it's a great it's a great release and it's something that uh you know if you are going to journal it's it's an amazing thing so yeah, I remember one time, um, I, be I believe you told me this when, when I was heading up there to Coburg, as uh, you said, you should write down what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And it kind of it escalated into a little mini training journal I had. So I, it kind of sparked that interest in the question there. Yeah, and I think if you're, if you're going to a training camp or if you're going to a, uh, 
a clinic, you know, and you're, you're trying to learn different things. I always tell athletes to bring, you know, a little book with them or notepad and, you know, discuss the, the, the technique or discuss, you know, different training methodologies that, that, um, that that person has or what the training camp is, you know, designed for that day. Because there's so many times that, you know, we, you know, we go to a training camp or you pick something up from a tournament and all of a sudden two days later, it's like, oh, I forgot what that was. I can't remember. And a little journal like that just kind of, it refreshes the memory and, you know, progress. It, ultimately it's, it's, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's all knowledge and it's all stuff that can potentially be utilized in your arsenal, whether it be a training cycle thing, a technique, a tactic that you see, it can all be utilized. Perfect. I've got three questions I ask every one of my guests. I'm excited to hear your answers on them. The first question I got for you, Ryan, what three qualities do you possess that make you successful? Um, one quality would be my work ethic. I've always prided myself on my work ethic and then if I what I want to get done, you know, I'll try to be the hardest worker in the room to get it done. Um, I would say my persistence and, um, what I want, what I want to do and what I strive to do, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to push the envelope and make sure that I'm doing the necessary things and, you know, doing even the extra to ensure that, you know, I kind of reach my goals. And then I think just the, I think just my character as well, just, you know, I come from, you know, a great family that has, you know, over the years uh, shown me that just being a good person and being a quality human is, is of the utmost. And, you know, that's what I try to do now within um, not only my career, but my life is just try to live um, with a high level of character. So beautiful. If you could go back in time, what is something that you would tell your younger self? Be patient. Um, as an eager young young man, especially as, as I would say as eager young men and women, you know, we always want to, you know, get to the next thing quick. You know, when you're in grade school, oh, I can't wait to be in high school. Oh, in high school, oh, I can't wait to be on my own. And college and university and I can go out, you know, drinking and partying and all that stuff. I would just tell myself, just, just be patient. Everything, everything will, it'll take time, but it'll be worth it. You're going to have a lot of those experiences. You're going to have a lot of um, ups and downs. Just be patient. Those things will come. And when the ups and downs come, just be okay with, with how everything ebbs and flows. Cause that's ultimately what life is going to be about for, for us is that we're going to have ups, we're going to have downs and it's a matter of just moving through those and just being patient with, uh, with everything that comes. Mm -hmm. I love that.
You may have already answered this, but I'm going to ask it to you anyways. What is something you do every day that you are proud of? Something that I do every day that I'm proud of. I would say I get I get up and I get up and, and go to work. I think that's, you know, or I show up. I, I think that, that that's the better word. I, I show up every day. Um, and the, honestly, that's that's 90% of success. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that, you know, to be successful. If you just show up and whether it's just showing up and, you know, coming downstairs and making breakfast for your kids or your wife or driving your kids to all their practices that they have to go to or showing up to to work and doing the best that you can just show up because when you when you show up you're showing a lot of good things um for yourself that you know you can do you can do whatever it is that you want to do if you just show up and be present within whatever you're doing i think that's the the best thing for me in that I show up each and every day and I try to put in as much effort as I can to those tasks that I have and I try to do the best with the time that I have. Beautiful. Last thing before we get to anything that you want to plug your social media or whatever, do you have any questions for me? No questions for you. I just thank you for the opportunity uh, for bringing me on here, Dylan. It's been uh, it's been awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, man. You're you you you're somebody who uh, you know I really consider a, a role model in my life. So I appreciate you coming on. No problem, buddy. Um, do you want to plug your social media? Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's that's kind of the only place that I'm that I'm on. I don't do a ton of social media stuff. Um, I'm very kind of low key in that aspect. So if you do come to my Instagram page, don't you're not going to be thrilled by by anything that I have because I don't post <laughs> I don't post a lot. Um, but if you do want to uh, to come on, it's uh, Ryan Lou uh, eighty nine. That's my Instagram handle. Um, yeah, so that's it. Easy peasy and uh, no uh, no TikTok wrestling footage or what? No TikTok wrestling footage. No, I I'm not into the whole TikTok game. <clears throat> I don't even know how to use TikTok, so it's one of those things that I just let the uh, the uh, the young bucks kind of take the rein on all the social media stuff, and I get a kick out of all the the TikTok uh, wrestling videos. Though it's it's fun. Perfect. Thanks for coming on. You have a great day. Yeah, buddy, you too. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. Please don't forget to like and share this. I'm trying to get this to everybody, uh, any person that you know in Ontario, Canada, um, or anybody that you know comes to Ontario, Canada. I, uh, I want to really highlight businesses and people who are in the area. Thanks, guys. Don't forget, like and share and comment. And I'll see you next time. Peace.